Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. What's up, Brian? Hey, hey, Bobby. Here we are in series 15, episode three. We've been talking the last couple of weeks about being better together, and it's all about partnering in tech sales. The first week, we talked about really just in general partnering in IT sales. We kind of introduced the series. We talked a little bit about why is partnering in tech sales really hard, um, and then two wrongs don't make a right. And it was, I thought, a pretty good episode about stories and kind of examples, but a lot of the hardships that we both face in our careers as it related to partnering. In episode two, we talked about really the customer's experience and that customers do want help. They just also want help that has some value coming along with it. We talked about in some cases you may lose some revenue, but you will gain so much more. And then we talked about kind of changing the game by giving leads and lots of leads. In the first week, we challenged everybody on the show to Go out and help three partners. Hopefully you guys did that. We got some pretty good emails about uh, what happened for some of you out there. And maybe a bad thing or two happened as well. But the effort would, would probably help anybody. If you didn't do it, go help three partners. And then in the second week, we challenged you to give five leads to partners. And really just lead with your best foot forward. And this week in episode three, we're going to wrap up the series and the theme of this episode is make partnering great again. I might have borrowed that from another tagline, but it really is all about um, being first to being great. It is possible. Brian and I joked offline about some of the things I've done that he's still surprised with, but uh, I have my core values as it relates to partnering, and you should too. So, Brian, what what are your thoughts after two weeks now being in the last week of partnering better together? What What are your thoughts on some of the topics we've covered? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it was good to get the emails, so please keep those coming. Um, love to hear the stories, um, and it's been fun, like you said, to kind of catch up between uh, the weeks and the episodes here about uh, just our experience over the years. I think the things that come out to me most are this is a, a journey for you in tech sales. If you're new to this business, it's a journey for your next 20 or 30 years. It's a really fun, call it an industry to be part of where you'll meet really sharp people that you'll want to work with maybe for the rest of you know your career here. And there's an opportunity for this not only to be good for your customer um, in the pursuit that you're working, but it's also great from just a career standpoint. And makes friendships and partnerships that uh, go a long ways. And who knows the person that you help today could be somebody that, uh, you know, endorses you to join their team at some point in the future, or you may be working point for at some point in the future as well. So uh, it's a, it's an interesting topic and it's one that I think uh, folks don't pay close enough attention to. Or you could be recording a podcast with them one day. You never know. No doubt. Um, so, this week, we have, as always, three themes. Uh, number one is set core guidelines and stick to them uh, as, as it relates to partnering. Ask for feedback and give feedback. Uh, it is uh, something we just did a podcast on a few months ago and something that is very key to partnering and having these candid conversations with partners and customers. And then how do you move forward in your tech sales career? So let's get started with setting core guidelines and sticking to them. I think I mentioned this in the past, but 
I have always kind of had some partnering guidelines that I've stuck with, right? And when people come to me and say, man, you kind of always seem to be doing the same thing with partners. How do you do that? Uh, I, I really think it stems from me being a partner first to a couple of really big vendors, Citrix and Microsoft, and would have killed to have any interaction with either one of those vendors, the reps, the, the SEs, et cetera. They were so hard to get uh, time with. To then going to Microsoft and realizing mm, I'm that person now, people would love to spend time with me, um, not me personally, but me as a Microsoft rep. So um, I thought I'm going to do it different. I'm going to do what I wanted them to do for me. And it wasn't always the easiest work. It wasn't always the most fun work, but I definitely always tried to, to portray that role. I, I think one thing we haven't discussed here, and it's an important footnote to this series, Bobby, is uh, we probably should have mentioned in the first um, episode is that when you, so you and I left Microsoft at different points to join Sparkhound and uh, Sparkhound was a uh, is a systems integration firm that's focused heavily on the Microsoft stack deploying the Microsoft stack and uh, almost right away um, it wasn't two years after you well maybe th- two or three years after you left um, Microsoft to join there on on the board and as a as a um, part owner of the business and running the Houston practice and responsibilities there that Sparkhound became like partner of the year, which is a, you know, for the, for the South district, that's a, it's a very competitive high spending ecosystem, you know, that, that, um, and I think it was a big testament to uh, your kind of dedication to this art and this um, uh, of really being close to your, your, the vendor in this case, being very close to them, aligning your core uh, values to it. It was a big testament to it. I mean, because it not only did it sell, it serve Sparkhound and Microsoft well. It it grew the business substantially too. No question. Then that is probably one of those things I'm pretty proud of in my career that we uh, took a small regional partner in a in a small city or market and got the recognition that I do believe Sparkhound deserved with or without me. Um, my my badge carrying Microsoft days didn't hurt that at all, but it did resonate but based on what we were doing with partnering programs and how we were leading the the BPOS effort back in the days before it was called Office 365 and really being an all-in partner which is always valued by a vendor but most vendors also never understand how hard that is for a partner to say I'm only going to sell your stuff because they get asked all the time by customers to be agnostic um, and if that's one of your guidelines you want to set, great. But that's going to be a tough one to keep true to for many years to come. So I've coached this to many reps who struggle with partnering. And I think that they, they struggle with how to do it. Um, but my three rules really are I will not stab a partner in the back. I will not cut a partner out of a deal. And I won't share something with a customer that would hurt a partner. And if you're listening to this, you might say, that's, there's no way. That's impossible to do those things. It's not really that hard. It is possible to do those things because I've done them. Now, what I'm about to share is going to make me sound a, a little bit less than authentic as it relates to that, but I'm truly 110% authentic as it relates to this. So let me walk you through how I do it. I am always honest with partners 100% of the time, even when it hurts. So if a partner, as most reps probably stab partners in the back, or some reps stab partners in the back, I might stab them in the front. I'll, I'll tell them exactly how it is. I don't 
think that that changes my core value as it relates to how I partner. I just don't stab them in the back. Does that make sense, Brian? Does that resonate? Have you seen that, I guess, for me and maybe others that do get stabbed in the back, just not having a tough conversation? Yeah, I think, I mean, the reason it's called a tough conversation is because it is a tough conversation like to have, and there's a great book called Radical Candor that's worth checking out, but it's um, it's hard to, it's it's way easier in the short term to avoid a conversation than to face up with a, with a partner in this case, a peer or a coworker, whoever it's way easier just to dismiss it, act like it never happened and move on um, that in the short term, of course, but certainly on the partnerships that are worth maintaining and, and keeping going, uh, having this kind of radical candor and straightforward feedback and conversation with it is, is only going to help things in the long run. Again, I've had to have tough conversations. I have had to have the conversation with a partner that they weren't going to be able to be with me all the way along on this ride. I have also done a lot to make those partners whole when that's had to happen. And I would say more often than not, a customer drove that, not it wasn't me. The second one I said was I'd never cut a partner out of a deal. So I just kind of spoke against that a little bit. But I will never cut a partner out of a deal. I've said customers cut partners out of deals. And I've had conversations with the partners on why they were being cut out of a deal. But I can honestly say every time, every time, and if you're in tech sales, I, I would love to know if you can do this. Every time a customer's come to me and said, I do not want to work with partner ABC. I want to go direct. I have fought tooth and nail to make that not happen. Meaning I've done everything I can to make that customer feel confidence in that partner. I've asked for a meeting where we can have the leadership of that partner come in and sit down and talk through things that they could do to provide the value the customer needs to, to be able to work with them. And many, many times, upwards of 75% of the time, I've been able to turn those situations around. And it's not been easy. It's not the easy path. You know, I think a lot of times reps are busy and they got they got millions being pulled in millions of different directions. And the easy path is just to not even tell the partner to go direct or tell the partner they told me they want to buy direct, I'm not going to work with you anymore. I, I won't let a customer sell the value that they were bringing short and I won't just let the customer give up on a relationship that's been working. I mean, these these are, um, with, with whatever you're selling, whatever level you're selling, if there are challenges come up, there are issues with product, there are issues with deployments, there are issues with uh, what was promised and what was delivered. Uh, if these conversations are avoided in your for your own customer directly with them giving feedback to you, we, I think we'd all be offended by that. We'd want the chance to fix whatever perceived uh, slight was, right? We'd want that opportunity. And our, you know, our partners, of course, want the same thing. Why not give them the opportunity to step up to the plate, fix the solution? I think, I don't know about you, Bobby, but I find that in many cases, not all cases, in many cases, the partnership becomes stronger after that between them and the customer uh, as well. It's an opportunity to to show uh, show your true colors. Well, and don't, don't the walls that get broken down in those conversations, customer to vendor, customer to partner, partner to vendor, vendor to partner. Isn't that what builds trust? I mean, that, that builds such a sticky bond that we know we can have the conversation. We know we've got all the best interests at heart because anything less than that really is a one way street that no one's going to win from. If you go direct to the customer, then they then you cut the partner out. What's that partner doing? They're they're gonna go cut you out of something or sell another piece of hardware or another piece of software. You've definitely set yourself 
or your company up for some failure of the future. And the third one that I said is I won't share something with the customer that would hurt the partner. And that means I won't talk bad about them. I won't get into the gossip train. And there are times, though, where a partner or, sorry, a customer has come to me and said, look, they screwed something up for the last time, and I'm not doing business with them ever again. And I would say, okay, what is it? And I'd still fight for them. And then I would go tell that partner first. Or I've also had a partner say, look, we ain't got the resources, but you can't tell them that. And I'd be like, okay, I'm not going to tell them something that's going to hurt you, but you're going to need to tell them that information, right? And I would say nine times out of ten, the partners always decided to come clean on those things that they weren't going to be able to follow through on. They, I'm not going to let them ruin a deal for me based on these guidelines, but I'm going to give them the opportunity to share that so that I'm not the one sharing that with the customer. So in each of those situations, there's a way to do it and to do it professionally so that it can be a win-win. And occasionally you're going to have that one rep that's just going to refuse to play by the rules and something's going to break. But I promise it's not going to be me. I'm not going to be the one that breaks it because uh, I'm going to partner with them based on these core guidelines. So Bobby, talking about partners and talking about how big this ecosystem, let's talk about Tech Sales Lab. Tech Sales Lab is the only place with the platform and people to help you start a career in tech sales. So if you're listening to this show, you're probably already in tech sales today or you're working on getting into tech sales. So if you've got friends or family or somebody that you know that is looking to break into this industry, there's no better place to do it than techsaleslab.com. From sales enablement training to one-on-one coaching, they can meet all of your individual or company's needs around sales training. And if you are already in tech sales, check out the master programs that they offer at Tech Sales Lab. There's probably a course out there that can help you. For today, Tech Sales Lab is offering Tech Sales Show listeners a way to win. Go to averagestheenemy.com and sign up for their newsletter. And you also will have the opportunity to refer friends and family that might want to get into tech sales. For each friend and family that you refer, you'll get double the entries in their monthly drawings. This month, they're giving away two sets of AirPods oculus go and an amazon echo so refer a lot of friends and you will get a lot of entries into those drawings sounds great so check them out techsaleslab.com so bobby i think one consistent thing we're talking about here is asking for feedback and giving feedback and we've done a whole series on this we did a listener's choice actually no it was an actual series a two-part series on how to best give feedback and receive feedback how when you're when you're working with partners here, how do you? Is it something you do directly after the meeting? Is it like how? Tell me tactically how you do that. Much like other tips and tricks that I give, it starts with the beginning. It starts at the beginning with the end in mind. So, I assume someone's going to let me down and hurt my feelings as it relates to how we partner together. So, it starts with holding them accountable, setting the guidelines and the rules when we first have that planning meeting. When we when I take on a new role like I did at EMC, I meet all the partners. We have a bunch of happy gas conversations, as I call them, right? We all want to win together. We're all going to do the right thing. And then the rubber starts hitting the meeting the road and things start breaking apart. So I, in those early conversations, I explain, here are my guidelines. Here's how I will work with you on the vendor side of the house. You can trust and believe in these, but I got to have these things back from you as well. And, or it won't work. So 
I set the guidelines. We, you schedule this meeting, and I'll go with you. If I ever go on a meeting, I'll bring you with me. You'll do the same, yeah. And as those things start to crumble a little bit from their side, I just hold them accountable for it. So I think if you don't say those words early on, that it's hard to hold them accountable later on. And if you document it and have follow-up conversations, it's easy to keep that kind of accountability thing going. But it's not for the one-time screw-up and then you cut their throat and I'm never working with you again. It's a long-haul process. This, My career over the last 20 years wasn't defined by the first meeting that a partner screwed me out of. Yeah. I, this one's a big one for me, the meeting prep. I mean, it's it was the first series that we did, and it continues to be something we talk about uh, all the time. It how we show up sets the framework for the overall engagement. So for me, it's about setting those expectations early. And when those expectations are missed, whether it be somebody internal to the company, uh, somebody on the extended team or partner, um, it's those are the immediate, immediate coaching opportunities. We, 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 the way we show up is everything. So um, I, look, I look for those opportunities. I want them to be successful. I tell them that I want them to be successful. And it's everything is driven towards how do we get that success? It's not me, about me being mad or upset or anything like that. It's all about how do we drive successful engagements. Brian, the second way that I do feedback, both giving and receiving, is I do real good with follow-up. Obviously, the meeting prep and preparing is important to both of us, and we both do a good job. And I think also I do a good job of following up and making sure what what's said, both in meetings and planning sessions and all the way to a happy hour that they get done. I could be standing in a happy hour with you and you could tell me, Hey, I, I promise to get you a meeting with John Doe. I'll get it done in the next 10 days. I promise. Well, I would send myself an email probably on my smartphone and say, Brian Evans committed to getting me an email or a meeting with John Doe in 10 days. Well, I'm going to track that. I'm going to have that as a follow-up item and I'm going to keep I'm going to remind you tomorrow and then I'm going to say, how are you doing in five days from now? And then I'm going to check again in like eight days. And on the 10th day, if that doesn't happen, I would just have a candid conversation. It's like real easy now because we've, we've interacted about it four or five times over the last 10 days. And you said you didn't, we're going to do it. You never talked about any red flags over the last four requests that I sent you a note. Like why, why would we commit and not do it? And you can't do that with everybody, but you get the semblance of, of the way that that, makes having that conversation a lot easier. It's not like I waited 10 days and on the 11th day I go, you suck as a partner. I'm never doing business with you again. Right. And quite frankly, I've seen that happen. I, I mean, I think that's all part of a tight engagement plan too. It, and it's including that partner on that engagement plan. It, we come out of these meetings with 15 different action items and, and goals and, and deliverables and all that kind of good stuff, which is all fantastic. Right. But, um, we, yeah, the way we move the pursuit forward is accomplishing these goals that we all agreed upon and having a good engagement plan that's everyone's agreeing upon and, and delivering on those actions is crucial to the success of the project. Finally, I would say the, the way I handle the feedback and both giving and receiving again is, and this has not always been easy. And I would say the the older I get, the more mature I get, the better I get at this one is I don't look at everything just through my lenses. Um, as I've broken the 40 barrier, I do wear lenses almost all the time, but I don't just look through my lenses, right? I do take a partner's perspective and realize what they have to do to be profitable and run a big and run a good big business. I also look at it from the vendor or the reseller's perspective. I, I take all those things as a whole, but the one thing that I think I do that really level sets me across all my, uh, 
core values as it relates with partnering is I always look at it from the customer's perspective. I, I think I say this a lot. I'm not joking. I can put myself in that customer's shoes and say, are these people acting like jackasses or what? You know, and if we are from the customer's perspective, I'll call it out and say, man, what are we doing? This guy's never going to work with us ever again, no matter what we do to turn this thing around. Why would we keep acting this way? And it's pretty easy to get everybody at least committing to level set to do what's the greater good for the customer and not just the greater good for one of us. Agreed. So, Bobby, why don't we talk about kind of how how does this, if, you, if you're kind of new in your tech career or midway in your tech career, how do you use this, um, you know, better partnering to kind of further your career and further um, your opportunity in the industry? Well, for me, I think if you, you can create the rules that you're going to live by and then never break them, it's something that you can fall back on. And that's what I did a long time ago. And I, I, I truly believe it's helped me be successful. Um, I've started businesses, as you know. You've joined those businesses and been an owner of those businesses. Um, we've probably stayed connected because we've partnered well together for many years, both in and out of Microsoft. Um, if we, Of course, we both are kind of go to coworkers with one another, right? We're both, we're both winners and we know that so that we, that's one thing, but I really think if, if one of us were uncouth or unfair, we wouldn't work with the other one. So it transcends long beyond just the one engagement or the one working relationship. Uh, it can transcend for life. Uh, and I, I can tell some of those stories. I would say that you will be challenged. This this isn't like, oh, because I have these three rules, it's just super easy for me. It does make it easier. But every, I would say every week, every month, every end of quarter, every end of year, you're going to have the opportunity to do something that violates your rules. Um, and I would bet 99 times out of 100, they could be solved with a conversation. And they could be solved to where everybody can win. It doesn't have to be a conversation that you have like you're in control and that you fix it to where you don't lose, but others do lose. I think most might do that. And I think everyone listening, you can be better than most. I, I, and when I think back to the folks that I've partnered with over the years, <clears throat> I'm truly looking for those hitters. You know, they, I love the saying that hitters, no hitters, because it is so true. We want to work with our peers in when it comes to sales, we want to work with people that help us raise our game and help us deliver great solutions to prospective and current customers. When you find that kind of alignment, when you find those people that you know and you trust and you can count on and can help you deliver more to your customers, those part those those friendships and partnerships last a very long time. And uh, again, whether you end up working together or you just stay or your friends, or you just stay lifelong partners, there's a lot that you can get out of investing in those partnerships. So if you're if you're new to this industry, or if you're midway in this industry, wherever you're at, um, continue to look for and invest in in people that are your peers in the partner uh, ecosystem. Yeah, we've said it over the last couple of weeks now, and we'll close this whole series with this. It, it can be extremely rewarding to win big commission checks. But I can tell you that I've been rewarded with friendships uh, and lifelong relationships that have all been built based on trust and probably some level of partnership. And I still would thank every one of you. I'll thank every one of you now. Anybody that's ever helped me win a deal or partnered with me to close a deal, I thank you. I truly appreciate your partnership. I owe you more than uh, you, 
than you probably gave me, uh, and I will continue to pay it forward for many years to come. And if you do that, whether you're just starting out or midway through your career, you too can have those relationships, and they'll be so much more important than even the biggest commission check you ever get um, when you, the, the check's not the thing you're chasing anymore. I can assure you of that. Anything to close, Brian? No, please keep sending the stories forward. Um, it's been a fun topic to cover off on, so um, please send any stories you've got here too. We'd love to uh, continue to share those. As always, average is the enemy. Average sucks. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week, average is the enemy.